Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Vandalia, Michigan campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. All right. So this, this, was, Mark, this was Mark's idea to show this, but this was uh, last year with Reuben. First time ever turkey hunting, so I think Reuben really set me up for this. But apparently that, that was a good shot, so... Thanks, Ruben. That's all. All right, cool, cool. So, so with that, I feel a part of the family here. Um, I tend to spend most of my time at the Nichols campus of a New Day, but once in a while, I get the privilege of coming down to Vandalia just to share a piece of my heart, and then a part of the sermon series that we're in. And so we're in a sermon series Pastor Cam introduced a few weeks ago called Grace Callings, where he taught about this calling of the evangelist that's given to the church as a gift to equip her. Uh, we'll today talk about the calling of the prophet and how that plays into the, the maturity of the church. But I want to start with a story uh, from my own life. About 10 years ago, uh, what would that be, 2009? Ten years ago, I was in the middle of an of a identity crisis of sorts. Um, I was coming out of high school, going into college. Uh, my life looked like, um, you know, getting drunk pretty much every weekend, sleeping with my girlfriend, just trying to, trying to live life to the fullest. And, uh, and in the midst of this, my parents started going to a, a different church. I would go. I knew enough I knew, I knew like Bible truths. I was raised once in a while we'd go to church. We really didn't talk about it at home, but it was a thing that we did. And so I would go, God had enough of a hold of me to where I would go to church and we would be singing worship and I would just like weep. I would cry and I would feel convicted. And then I would, you know, church would be done and I would like wipe my face dry and just go back to doing the same things that I was doing. It was just pretty much this cycle. Whenever I would go, I would just feel like, wow. God is real and I'm a sinner and I need to like get rid of this feeling so I can not feel bad about the stuff that I'm doing. So in this new church that my parents started going to, there's this, there was this lady. Uh, she was a uh, middle-aged art teacher at a local school, just one of the kind of the behind-the-scenes ladies in the church. But, but for some reason, this, this woman just sought me out and she had this profound prophetic gift where she just she knew everything about my not in a way that felt like exposing but in a way that felt piercing like she just she knew my life she knew God's call on my life and she saw things that I couldn't see about myself and so she stepped her name was Sherry and she stepped into my life at this critical point where I'm in this whirlwind, like where am I going to go? I'm looking for meaning, I'm looking for acceptance, I'm looking for purpose. Is it going to be in this stuff that I'm trying to do, or is it going to be in this call of God on my life? And so Sherry would just call out destiny over me. She would just call out God's purposes over my life. She would just, in fact, there was more than once where she would, she would like in the middle of a service or something, she would come and like lay at my feet and... <laughs> It was, it was strange, but I, I knew that it was holy. I knew that like, God was really doing so. There was a weightiness to it. And she would like, 
sit at my feet and weep and cry and pray. And I would just stand there like, I don't know what's going on, but I know that like there's a heaviness here. Like God is doing something here and I need to like really honor this, this, this moment. And so, so that was kind of my introduction to the prophetic ministry in many ways. Um, but one, just quite odd and strange and hard to place, but two, very meaningful and deep and pointed and weighty, where I knew that God was in the mix of the stuff that I didn't quite understand. Um, when I look back over this over these last ten years, what's 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 really humbling and 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 amazing about it is is so many of the things that she had spoken over me as an eighteen year old. I'm now living like I'm now walking in the midst of all these things that she was seeing, all these things that she was saying that I was like, there's no, I don't know what you're talking about, but okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna honor this. I'm gonna sit here. I'm gonna listen to you. I'm gonna really process this with the Lord. And, uh, and it really, so it just, it just brings about this, this well of gratitude and gratefulness and humility that God would use this, this gift of a person in my life to speak into me, to encourage me, to, to strengthen me, to give words and, and faith to partner with this little mustard seed of, of faith that God was springing up in my life. To really allow for, for something much, much bigger to grow that was way beyond me. That's just a, a story that, um, from my life, it might look different for you, but the, the point is, there's this, there's this gift of the prophet or the prophetic that Christ gives to the church to mature her, to grow us collectively together into the image of Christ, into the fullness of, of who God is calling us to be. And so if we're, if we're on for the maturity Process. If we're, if we're collectively saying, yes, I want to grow, I want to mature, I want to become more like Jesus, more in, in my thinking, in my acting, and in my feeling, I want to become more like Christ, well then it's, it's actually, part of it is, is embracing and accepting and, and, and inviting the gift of, of the prophet into your life, making space for the prophet at the, at the table. And I'll talk a bit more about what that means. Here. Uh, to start, though, we are in this series. You'll see it on the banner in the back. It's called Grace and Truth. This is all of 2019. The overarching goal is at the end of this year, as a church, we would become more gracious and we become more truthful. And, and thus, we would, we would all become more like Jesus. John 1 17 says, For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. Uh, the passage that Pastor Cameron introduced last week from Ephesians 4 uh, talks about a way that Jesus has set up the church to function. That, that if, if our goal, if Jesus brings grace and truth, or, or really makes it known to the world, and the goal of the church is to become more like Christ, how, like, what has he given to us? Like, what sort of processes, what sort of mechanisms, what sort of strategies has Christ set up for the church to, to, to grow us, to mature us, to, to make us in who we're called to be? I think uh, one, one way to answer that is, is actually to look at this passage from Ephesians, oh boy, chapter 4. 
So Ephesians 4 is the letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to, to the church, one of the ancient churches in Ephesus, but also more broadly to be a circulated letter throughout the ancient world, to be, to be kind of passed around from church to church. There's this general appeal to it. And in, in chapter 4, verse 7, he says this, However, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That's why the scriptures say, When he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Notice that it says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ has also descended to our lowly world. And the same one who descended is the one who has ascended high above the heavens to fill the entire universe with himself. So that's, that's a pretty amazing idea uh, that we are not going to get into. Verse 11, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be, that we will be mature. And then it says something like, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Like this is, this is a captivating picture where, where Paul's trying to stir the imagination of the church to say, do you see what God is doing? Do you see how he's set it up? Do you see that he's wanting to grow you and you've been given gifts and your gifts need to be used within the church to, 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 for, for, so that everyone can flourish, so that everyone can benefit. Don't let the, the gifts that God's put in you lie dormant and act like you're just a, just a mere consumer or a recipient, but they need to be activated and, and used and given so that we can all grow, so that we can all measure up to the standard of Christ, so that, so that the bridegroom can have a bride that's, that's ready, so that, so that the, the head can, can have a body that's functioning according to its purposes. So, so, so here's this, this picture that Paul paints for the Ephesians to just capture their imagination with the way that God is working through the church. That, 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 that truth would be spoken in love and that maturity would be the vision. Maturity would be the aim and the, and the orientation of where we're all headed. So there's two, there's two main claims here though. So what I, part of what I'm saying is we've all been given gifts. Verse 7, right? it says that Jesus has given grace gifts to each one of us. All have received gifts. So the picture that he paints is, is this king who's, who's, who's gone and fought the enemy and he's, and he's won and he's, he's, he's ascended victorious and, and in his victory he's given gifts to his people. He's, he's distributed the, the spoil of his victory, the gifts of his victory to everyone. Every one of his people he's given gifts to. That's what verse 7 is saying. 
the next series that we're going to be starting in a month or so is, going to t- is, is called Grace Gifts. And it's talking about all the gifts that Christ has given to the church. No one is excluded. No one, you can't say, oh, no thanks. Like you, you've been given gifts to be, to be used within the church for God's glory. The second claim he's making, though, in verse 11, is that there's these particular gifts that have been given where the recipient is the church. The apostles, the prophets, evangelists, the pastors, the shepherds, and the teachers. The recipient of the first is individuals to use within the body. The recipient of the second is, is these, these gifts that God has given to, to the church, where the church is the recipient. And each one of these five are used to grow the church into who it's called to be. And so this, this series... Uh, Grace Callings is where we want to focus in on the second claim that Paul is making. Pastor Cameron taught on evangelist. This morning I'll be teaching on prophet. But, but to, 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 to just pause for, for a moment in, in verses 11 through 13, I want to just show you what's happening here. The claim which we already established. These are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, teachers. Often called the fivefold or the ascension gifts or apest or there's probably more. But this is, this, is, this is a pretty talked about list. So there's the claim. Then there's the, there's the purpose. Like, why? Why did, why did he do this? Why did Christ give these gifts to the church? The purpose, says their responsibility, this is why, is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. And so, it's, it's not where, where the, the, the five-fold are doing all the work and that everyone else is, is just a recipient of it and just, just gleaning from it. It's actually that the, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher are actually all equipping everyone else to do everything. The service all unto God. Everything that, 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 that God is about, the church is to be doing. And these five angles are all to work complementarily to, to, to build that into the church. Does that make sense? And so that's the purpose. That's why they've been given. is to build the church up. And then the result. How will we know when we've accomplished this? The result will be, this will come until, this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son. That's, That's intimate, not just like, Cognitive knowledge, but knowledge, experience, understanding of the Son of God, Jesus, that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. If it's helpful, you can think about it like um, Esther in the Old Testament is this, is this queen who's, who enters into this kind of preparation in an ancient Persian culture where she's, she's kind of put into the the training ground for a queen, where she has all these influences that are all training her in what it means to be royalty. They're all training her in what it means to, to, to be a fit for the, for the king. Right? In, in, a, in a way, what, what the apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher, it's this, 
it's this training, this equipping ground for the church to be fit, to be ready, to be mature, to be developed enough to be fit to the, to the bridegroom, to, to Jesus. Does that make, yeah. that make sense? So maturity is the aim. So if we're, if, if we're, if we're on board to be matured, which often <laughs> is difficult, <laughs> which often is like, uh, I'm kind of comfortable where I am, uh, but if we're, if we're saying, yes, the, the vision is to become more like Christ, the, the vision is to become mature in the Lord, then, I'm, then I want to say yes to this. Then I want to say yes to this influence. I want to say yes to this, this equipping process. That's, that's the aim. That's the result. That's where we're going. So, I think this might be Moses. I'm not quite sure, but the point is the same. Sometimes when we think of the prophet, we think of this kind of, this epic kind of mountaintop scene where the revelation is coming to this man on a mountain and they're writing down verbatim what they're hearing and and then that word is then brought down the mountain and spoken to the people and then they are worshiping an idol and so those tablets are broken and then it goes back up the mountain. Or maybe um, another image here is this, this, this is actually a, a painting of the prophet Jeremiah uh, kind of writing the woes of the destruction of Jerusalem uh, outside of the city gates, watching the city rise up in smoke, just uh, lamenting in many ways the disobedience of God's people as a voice that brought a, a, a word of repentance uh, to the people of Israel. So, I don't, so the point is with those pictures, I don't know what, what image you have in your mind when you think of the prophet. Like it, it's just like this, this illustrious kind of like ambiguous thing. Like what, what is the, the prophet? Like it's kind of, I'm not so sure. It's kind of weird. I, don't, I, I feel like that, that's misused. I feel like that language is, is like, oh, that's the prophet. So no matter what they say, I need to listen to them. But the point I'm trying to make is it's less about who and it's more about what. It's more about what are they doing? What is, the, what is this role? What is this gift doing to bring about maturity? Because if the fruit isn't there, then it doesn't matter who, who carries a label or who carries a title. The goal is that, that the, the gift of the prophet would, would, would mature and encourage and build up the church into who it's called to be. Okay, so just to give a little background on this, this idea, out of all five of these, Maybe it's just me because I'm talking about it. But it feels like the prophet casts the biggest shadow like over the whole group from the Old Testament. Like that's the man, that's, that's the person, that's the, that's the one who hears from God and brings the word to his people. Like the, the language of apostle and evangelist and shepherd, it's not often used in the Old Testament, but in the, in the Old Testament, the language of prophet is, is like central. It's, it's, it's all the main characters in many ways are prophets. They're the, they're the man or the woman of God who brings the oracle of God to the people. So just to give a little bit of, of kind of ways that the prophet is, is, is equipped or called in the Old Testament, I'll just say a few. They were those who God led by his spirit, called to be his messengers to humans, mainly to God's people, reminding them of who God was, who they were, what they were to do about it, and what God was going to do about it if they didn't do what they were supposed to do. 
That's essentially what the roles of the prophets were. There were arrows pointing God people back to covenant faithfulness. So often they were just they were just reminding the people of what God had already said, and 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 out of with with a heart of love to say, no, turn back. God said to do this, and you will live. God said if you do that, you will die. So to turn, be faithful to your end of the of the bargain. Be be faithful to the covenant that God has set with you. So so. Among his many roles, Christ isn't giving something to the church that he doesn't already have. Jesus fulfills this this prophetic lineage of the prophet in the Old Testament. There's all these prophets that are pointing people back to God. Jesus then, then comes as the prophet, among many other things. He comes as the prophet and points people back to God and to himself. It's interesting, one of, the, one, of the time, one of the things that often comes up when you look at Jesus as this prophet is these words that Moses spoke in Deuteronomy 18, where in the middle of his, his teaching of the law, or you know, recounting of the law, he says, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. So it's this, it's this kind of, and then he goes on to teach about what the prophet will do and how to test the prophet. But he says, this, was, this is like, the Lord will raise up a prophet from among you. Peter picks up this language in Acts. This is why I'm bringing this up. Peter picks up this language in the book of Acts in his famous spirit-empowered sermon. And he says, repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out. That times of, times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And that he may send the Christ Appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Moses said, the Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your brothers. You shall listen to him and then whatever he tells you. And that should be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And so Peter's, there's, a, there's a, so many ways that, that, that Jesus embodies this, this role, but I bring this one up to say, Moses had said this, Peter picks back up this language to just basically say Jesus is that prophet. And, and now you need, to, you need to turn, you need to repent, you need to, you need to turn to the Lord. And so, 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 so all this to say, okay, now, now when we get to the church, if the, if the role of the prophet is to basically work in coordination and interdependency with this team of other, other angles to mature and to grow the church. What is the role of the prophet in the church and how is it distinguished from the prophetic in general? And there's some, there's some muddiness to this. Okay, so it's kind of like we have to kind of pick, pick through it, but, but I want to give you my take on it. Paul has this series of chapters in 1 Corinthians that I think are important here. At the end of 1 Corinthians 12, he says, he makes these, he asks these questions that are almost inferring, uh, of course not. He says, is everyone called to be an apostle? Is everyone called to be a prophet? Is everyone called to be da 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 But then he says, eagerly desire a better way. And then he goes into the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. Let everything you do be motivated out of love. And then in the next chapter, he says, 
but in everything, eagerly desire the greater gifts, especially that you may prophesy. And so, so he's saying not everyone's a prophet, not everyone's called to be a prophet, but you should eagerly desire the gift of prophecy. You should eagerly desire that you would speak from God's heart to other people. And so it's kind of somewhere in there where either way the motivation is love. The motivation is to come from the heart of the Father in whatever you say, to come from a heart of, of love and not to call out, but to call in, to pull people into relationship with any words that you speak, whether, whether it's out of, out of a place of, of what, what would be the, the calling of a prophet or just the, the gift operating prophetically, the motivation is love. In the same way with these two claims that Paul is making in, in this chapter of Ephesians 4, it says we've all received grace gifts. Eagerly desire gifts. And yet he gave particular gifts to particular people so that, so that they would be used in the maturing of the, of the whole church. And so, in many ways, when we're looking at the New Testament, we, we're, getting these, we're getting these letters that are written with, with circumstances that we are not entirely privy to. We don't always know what's going on, what sort of interchange was happening. And we have to kind of sit down and look at it and try to pick through it and say, well, how might have this been operating in the church? Like, like if, if I'm trying to do my best to figure out how the stuff was happening realizing that I might not have it all. I might not have it all figured out. Particularly with the prophet, there's a little bit of, of that. It's like, well, in what ways did Jesus fulfill the role to where it's no longer this office of the prophet, but it's this, this, it's this work, it's this, it's this position of, of speaking from God's heart. There's a, there's a bit of ambiguity, all that to say. So I, what I want to do is just, is just look at what is it about the prophet that uniquely equips the body of Christ to be like Christ? So if all of these roles are, are working together to mature the church, what is it, what is it uniquely about this, this role of the prophet that, that equips, that, that builds us, that, that grows us? A few things. Um, I'll just think about it in terms of two dimensions, the vertical in relation to God and the horizontal in relation to other people. Uh, so, so the prophet maintains constant attentiveness to God and to other people uh, through, through their ears. The prophet listens to the voice of God in a world of so many other voices. And the word of God is heard and the prophet is listening. And so what I'm not doing here as I go through these is saying you, sh- you need to be more prophetic. Although that's, that's good and that's true and you should eagerly desire that what I'm trying to say here is, is we need to make space for the voice of the prophet in our life. To be influenced by this angle. To not, to not say, I can't hear from that. But to say, no, I'm, I, for my own development and for the development of our church, I need and we need the influence and to make space for the prophet at the table. That's essentially what we're saying here. And so I, so ears... Listening. You need somebody listening for God when you're caught up in listening to everything else. Eyes. The prophet isn't just trying to see God, but to see as God sees. And so the prophet 
Think about it in terms of the story with Elijah and his servant, right? They're on top of this mountain and the servant sees the armies that are before them and Elijah prays, open his eyes that he might see. And then, and then he sees that beyond the army that's in front of them is they're surrounded by chariots of fire from the heavenly realm that are actually way more numerous and way bigger than the threat that's in front of them. The prophet sees as God sees. How badly do we need to see as God sees? How badly in the midst of our, our own distorted and, and you know, limited perception do we need somebody to see as God sees into our circumstances and into our lives? That's the gift of the prophet to the church. Um, mouth. The prophet as, as mouth or mouthpiece gives words to God's words. To, to speak, to proclaim uh, on God's behalf. And in that speaking, uh, this includes a willingness to suffer the same painful rejection that the Word of God itself suffers. And so often throughout Scripture, the Word of God is spoken and it's rejected. The Word of God is said and, it, and it's, it's not acknowledged, it's not obeyed. The part of the prophet is this, this strength and resolve to still speak when, it, when it's not being heard or when it's not... It's not Oh, like listened to. I don't know about you, but I know that often in my life I need to be I need to have words spoken to me that I'm not eager to hear. And I'm not I'm not seeking after. I'm not I'm not hungry to, to hear you say that, but I need that. So the, the prophet is this gift to the church to be able to speak things that we don't necessarily want to hear, but we need to hear for our own good. And then the heart, uh, to feel what God feels, to experience things from God's perspective, to experience the heart of God. Now, we're all called to, to feel the heart of God, but some people just have better feelers. Right? And we need, we need the influence of people who can feel the heart of God, to feel the, the things that, that pain God's heart, to feel the things that grip God's heart, to feel the things that we're not even aware of or privy to. We need that gift in the church. Okay, so there's the vertical dimension. And in many ways, these aren't clean-cut categories. It's just a way to try to think through it. Um, And so they overlap a bit. But um, horizontal, now the prophet in relation to the church uh, or into other people. The gift of the prophet is reminding the church of God's love and faithfulness. Again, we're not seeing. We're not always seeing. We're in the middle of our, our own whirlwind of stuff. The prophet's reminding us of God's steadfast love and faithfulness and, and, and long-suffering with us. The prophet calls the church to obedience and faithfulness, still calling us to, to loyalty, to living out this call of God on our life. Yes, God is faithful, and yes, He holds all things together, but you still have a call on your life to obey. You still have a call on your life to live in light of, of who He's calling you to be. And the voice of the prophet is, is calling you higher. He's calling you up and to, to be who God's calling you to be. Uh, strengthens, encourages, is, comforts the church, uh, much like some of the earlier ones. Uh, the prophet calls the church to repentance. This is one of the many themes in the, in the, throughout Scripture is this, 
is this call to repent. Um, and again, we, we're not super eager to hear that. <laughs> we're not like, hey, tell me where I need to repent because I really want to. But often, as we go through life, we just get caught up in stuff. We get caught up in our own idolatries. We get caught up in our own things that we think are the most important. And, and, this, and this gift to the church is saying, no, turn from that. There's a better way. That's not how it's meant to be. Turn from that so you can live faithful to who, who God's calling you to be. Oops, I didn't mean to go forward. Okay. Um, again, is keenly aware of idolatries within the church and wants them uprooted. And, uh, and part of the idolatries thing is inconsistencies. Now this, this touches on a, on a piece of the role that we don't always talk about. Um, different traditions have different ways of understanding the prophet. Um, but, but part of this thing of inconsistencies can be, um, can be this idea where, where, where the prophet might be saying, or, or the church might have this, this, this value of you know, the sanctity of, of human life, which is, which, is, which, is, which is so, so important and so, so valuable. But part of this, I'm, I'm not even feeling this, this prophetic pointing out is to say, what does it look like for the church to, to, to capture the heart of God for all of life? For, 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 the, for the babies that are in the womb and for the fighting of, of, of their rights, but also for the, for the men and women sentenced to life in prison, innocent of, of any, any wrongdoing, but, but just kind of caught up in a, in a justice system that, that, that doesn't really have time to, to sort it all out. There's this value for life, and it really is this thing that I don't, I'm not eager to hear, but the prophet brings this, 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 this pointing out and saying, okay, let's be consistent. Let's be consistent to God's call and values across the board. Um, and then, and then uh, continually puts before the church God's heart for justice. And then the last one I'll say is just speaks truth to, to power. Often in positions of power, we're not seeking to hear critique or seeking to hear uh, the other side. But the prophet embodies throughout Scripture this role of being willing to say things that are true to people in places of power that, where they could easily compromise and easily slip into kind of cozying up to those who hold the keys. The prophet's saying, no, I'm going to stand in this gap and say, that's wrong. I'm going to stand from this place and say, that's not right. That's not real. That's not God's word. That's not the way to behave. And that's, this, that's the gift. To the, we need that. The church needs that voice to be able to speak truth to, to, to systems and structures and people in power where we, we're maybe a little more comfortable to just kind of get cozy, especially when it's not any inconvenience to, to me personally. But the voice of the prophet brings this element of saying, I'm willing to, to actually call out and speak in a place of love and for the, for the good of the, of the church, this, I'm going to point this out and I need, I need to say this. Again, something we desperately need. So my, my goal here in, in, in closing is just to, just to put us in a posture of saying, I, I need and I need to make space for the gift of the prophet in the church. Not, not only the prophet. There's these five working together. But today, we want to just take a moment and to say, I'm, I'm making space for this influence in my life. 
I'm not shutting it out, but I'm making room to hear this voice. I'm making room to hear this, to make space at my table to honor this gift, to honor how this gift matures me individually, grows me up into Christ-likeness, and collectively grows our church to be stronger and more who God is calling us to be. Does that sound good? So if you would just pray with me, I just wanted to kind of put us in a place of receiving and praying this in closing. Father God, we thank you, Jesus, for the way that you've set your church to function. And for the way you've given the gift of the prophet to the church to grow us, to mature us, to develop us into Christ-likeness. Father, right now in our hearts, we just, we just make space at the table of influences. We make space for the voice, for the, for the, for the influence, uh, for the perspective of the prophet. And God, ask that you would point out uh, where we've just shut that out, where we've, we've put up a, a wall and saying, no, I don't really want to hear that because I'm more comfortable right here. God, we just make space and honor the, the gift that you're giving. We receive the gift that you're giving to us in the church, the gift of the prophet for our own good and for your glory. Jesus, our, our aim is to become a bride that's fit for the groom. So, Father, would you grow us? Would you strengthen us? Would you mature us in the Lord according to your will? In Jesus' name, amen.